Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about parent communication and the IEP process. We've covered this a couple of times in the podcast, but I'm excited for my co-host today because she has a perspective that I know a lot of teachers have to deal with. So before we dive into it, I'll go ahead and let her introduce herself now. Hi, I'm Brianna, or you can just call me Bree. I'm from Georgia, and I work in a classroom. Um, we call it MOID in my district, but mainly that just means kids who have autism or they have mild to moderate um, intellectual disabilities. And I'm really excited to have Bree come on the podcast today because one of the things that we're going to talk about, and almost every teacher goes through this, is Bree is still relatively young and hasn't been teaching for a super long time. And when I was first started out teaching, I started teaching when I was 23. And probably for the first three or four years, I got pushback from parents who, you know, they would say, like, oh, you're just a kid yourself. They felt that I didn't have enough life experience and I wasn't a mom, so I couldn't relate to them. And that is a challenge that most people who leave college in their early 20s and goes right into education deal with. So first, Bree, how do, you, how do you approach that situation where you have a parent that maybe just feels like you're too young to really be in charge of something that's as big as an IEP? Yeah, so first I just try to remind parents that we're on the same team. Whether I'm a parent or not, I want them to know that I have the best interest for their child just like they have the best interest. And I feel like if parents feel like you can relate to them in that aspect, then they'll feel more confident in you about teaching their student, even though you may not have kids or even though you're really young. And I think that's an, a, the big thing is just exuding confidence. So, you know, you, you want, just like I'm picturing, like if I was in a doctor's office and the doctor walked in and they're like, oh, you know, I don't really know. And they, they seemed nervous and timid. I would have no confidence in them. I would imagine yep. it's like that same thing. Like I have to walk in and be like, yes, I'm young, but I've done my research. I've asked colleagues that are more experienced. I know what I'm saying, and you want them to feel like they can trust you. So I like that you point that out. And just know that it does come with time. And a lot of times we keep our parents for years in these types of settings. So our kids typically don't come into our classroom just one year. So you'll have yeah. lots of opportunities to build those relationships. So that dives right into my next question. When you have a new family come into your classroom, how do you establish that uh, communication with them? How do, you, how do you determine, do they want phone calls or emails, a written note? How often do they want that communication? How do you go about laying all of that out? So for me, um, I actually don't give my parents a preference, which I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just, I do tell them, hey, I would like your email. I would like your, um, your phone number, I would like to use Class Dojo. And I do tell them, like, I like to communicate through videos, pictures, text messages, emails. I just go ahead and put it out there because honestly, with having mom friends myself, I know any mom loves getting pictures of their child while they're at work or during the day and knowing what's going on. So I just go ahead and lay it out there. Hey, this is what I do. And some of them are like, okay. And some of them are like, that's so great. So if it's a new family, just making sure that you really just put out there that you like to communicate with parents, that you will communicate with them. And just knowing, get as much information as you can from the parent before the school year starts or before that child starts. That way you can know, you know, how to gauge what the parent is like and what their expectations are and um, what they want for their child. 
That's an awesome point because, you know, I always felt like if I waited until the child was already in school, I was already four steps behind. And I yes. was like so nervous and I would not want to call the parents. But when I just ripped off that bandaid and called them three weeks before school, it helped give me like so much lead time to make things better. So even if you have an aversion to the phone, send the email, yes. <laughs> get the communication started. I think we all do. Sometimes I'm like, please get voicemail. <laughs> yes, 100%. That was me. Or I'm like already hanging up. I'm like, oh, they picked up on the last ring. I thought yes. I was clear. <laughs> but uh, the more you communicate with parents too, it becomes a lot easier because once you establish that routine, it's not nearly as scary to call or send the email. So looking at that IEP process, how do you go about getting their input? Because as we know, those IEPs are very parent-driven and we want to make sure all of their wants, needs, and expectations represented. How do you approach that? So the best advice I can give anybody is, yes, there are progress reports or IEP progress reports. Yes, there are IEP meetings, but it never hurts to keep parents in the loop in between those times. Like, um, just like last week, I sent a picture of one of my students. He wrote a perfect five with his addition problem. And I took a picture and sent it to his mom and she was so happy. And coming up in September, because I will have him again, we're going to talk about that. And it's IEP, like how he's doing with adding. You should never, how should I say this? You should never have a parent be surprised, like what you have to say in an IEP meeting, basically. Like it should be something that you've already told them, that you've already talked about. Even It doesn't have to be huge. You can just be like, hey, um, so-and-so had a great job today. So-and-so sat all day. So-and-so, you know, drew me a picture. Just something small. And even when it comes to progress, like, hey, would you like for me to send home worksheets for this math or for this reading? I think we should go in this direction. And especially before IEP meetings, um, you never want to write an IEP with just yourself in mind. So always, um, and this helps you because in my IEP system, they always want to know parent concerns before the meeting anyway. So I just call and give them a little nudge like, hey, what are your concerns before we go into this IEP? So um, I can go ahead and brainstorm. And then during the meeting, we can all talk as a team. So just kind of putting out those fillers always that your parents should never know, Hey, so-and-so is having trouble with potty in the middle of the IEP meeting. Like mm -hmm. that should never happen. They should have some kind of indication of what you might want to talk about. Absolutely. That is one of my favorite tips and I have seen before. And I definitely know that I kind of had this problem in the beginning. You might have a relationship with a family. That's not the greatest. And so there's so much more of an opportunity for that type of thing to pop up in the IEP meeting if there's mm -hmm. friction, but that only contributes to the friction. So, you know, I would try and limit my contact with the family because it was such a not good term relationship. Yes. And then the IEP would be like this Pandora's box of like all the things I wasn't sharing because I didn't want to open up those lines of communication and I just made it worse for everybody. So mm -hmm. when you kind of prep them, it does help everybody a lot. And as we know, IEPs have a very high risk of being very emotional because these are yes. like some of the worst days in parents' life that they have to do over and over again, just coming to the table to hear all the ways that your child is not being successful. And as the special education teacher, you're in a really interesting situation because you might have administrators there and you know you work for them those are your employers that's your boss you definitely want to make sure you're doing everything they want you to do but you're probably the closest contact that the family has so you're also kind of the support for the family but yes then, you know you have your concerns as a special ed teacher but you know that your speech and language therapist has something that he wants to bring up 
how do you go about being able to navigate that situation and making sure that everybody's interests are heard while still sticking to the IEP process? So what I do is I collaborate with team members before the IEP meeting. And I always say to them, like, I'm sorry to bug you. I know I'm getting on your nerves. But some some people really appreciate, hey, can we be on the same page? I actually did it recently. I have an IEP meeting coming up this Wednesday. And I went to the speech path and I was like, hey, I was reading um, a psychological report and this is what it suggested. And I really like this, blah, blah, blah. And he said, we can do that. And actually, I was thinking on the same track. So just making sure you collaborate with people beforehand. Um, not people, sorry. Make sure you collaborate with service providers beforehand, whether it's PT, speech, OT, any other services they may get, because you never want to step into an IEP meeting and say, hey, I created this goal for your service. What? Like, <laughs> that should never happen. Or you should never walk into an IEP meeting and the speech path is saying, I want him to work on creating sentences and you know the student is not there. So just making sure y'all are on the same team. So when you walk into this game, it's like a game. When you walk into the meeting, which is a game, you're all, you're, you're all familiar with the play. And then support the parents, ask reassuring questions. Hey parents, are you okay with him learning, you know, things in his environment? If you are, can you send me a list of things at home that he talks about a lot or points to or gestures to a lot? Just making those um, school-to-home connections will be good to you. Absolutely. And this kind of brings up, just like on a personal level, I deal with imposter syndrome a lot, which I know a lot of people do. So if you ask me a question, I will tell you I don't know the answer, even if I do, because I don't trust myself. So I love to know ahead of time. So I can go and just like triple check that I know what I'm talking about. So I like to pretend that everybody I work with has imposter syndrome. So I don't want to surprise my SLP because I realize if I can tell her, hey, the mom mentioned this, I can have her that time to go through her notes, kind of maybe come up with a strategy. So that way in the IEP meeting, it can be more efficient and effective because that always drove me nuts when we would get everybody there. And sometimes that's a lot to find the time on everybody's schedule that they're free And the parents would say something and we'd be like, oh, we weren't prepared for that. We don't know. We'll have to go research that and get back to you. If we can already know about that stuff and we can come with strategies, solutions, possible goals, we can just maximize that time while allowing everyone to feel more confident in their practice. And I would like to add to that too is also teachers, give yourself a little grace in the meeting. Like if something does come up in a meeting, just say, hey, parents. Let me discuss with the SLP, like right in front of them. Let's discuss, do you like what you hear? You know, it's okay to sometimes, I wouldn't say not know, but it's okay to sometimes discuss in front of the parents because that's essentially what an IEP meeting is. Just never end with, I don't know, you know, try to navigate the conversation where it seems like it's a, it's a team decision and a team discussion so y'all can work through it. And if you don't know the answer, sometimes I've been in a meeting where SLP has said, hey, can I get back to you guys? Mm-hmm. Um, tomorrow or later on to answer your question. Most parents are really understanding with that. Absolutely. And I think for the parent perspective, it helps them feel a little bit more confident because they know that we really are doing everything we can to make the best educational decisions. We're not just throwing something at you right now to get through the meeting. Yes. Uh, and I like to set the time frame. You know, if the meeting's on Tuesday, we'll get back to you by the end of the week. So that way I'm not setting them out of the room being like, who knows when you'll hold back from us. You'll definitely hear from us on Friday. And we'll have some strategies that are a little bit more evidence-based for you. And just that clear communication can help a lot. Is there anything else that you want to share for teachers who 
are either young or just new to the field that are still trying to kind of navigate building that communication strategy, both with parents on the day-to-day -day basis and within that IEP process? I would like to say that um, the best, another good piece of advice I got when I first started was, and I didn't believe this until I got students like this, sometimes you will get a child who comes from a school where the teacher has only said something bad about the child, whether it's intentional or not. It could be um, so-and-so just won't stop headbutting today or won't sit today or is not learning. Like parents, it's really daunting to parents to always hear the negative. And that doesn't mean to exclude what's going on. Sometimes you do have to communicate to parents like the behavior or whatever's going on. But on the flip side of what I'm going to say is, make sure you try to write something good. If you have a communication binder, I would try to write one good thing a day. If you talk to your parents weekly, try to tell them one good thing from that week, just to build good communication and build confidence for yourself and even to build that um, trust with your parents. Because um, I'll just never forget, um, I had a parent, I texted her and I said, hey, can I get a picture of so-and-so's bed? And she went to my principal <laughs> and I was like, why did she go to my principal about me asking for a picture of the bed? And then I got the backstory. Turns out all she heard was bad from that school about her child. And really, I was just asking for a picture to help with one of his IEP goals. So she said, I had no idea. I thought like it was something bad or meant something weird. Like, you know, and I was just, and that was just an important piece where I was just like, okay. I mean, it was nothing wrong, but at the same time, it was just really shocking, like a picture of a bed, but that's how traumatic it was for that parent. So also understanding maybe where your parents' trauma, what the school system, teachers, whatever it may be, may come from. It's not about you. It's not about you. And I stepped into a situation this year, same thing. I mean, the first thing the parent said to me when she met me was, do you plan on staying? Because the situation was that I wasn't, or the classroom, hmm, okay. The situation that the classroom was in before, they had a lot of teachers in that room. And I know she wasn't coming at me, but I do know that she just wanted to know her child would be learning and there would be somebody safe and somebody there the entire time. So don't take it personal when parents come at you sometimes. Sometimes you just have to understand it's not about you. It's something further than that. And your job is to make sure they feel comfortable with their child, make them feel comfortable that their child is in your classroom. And then honestly, the rest will come you know, the fact that they love you, the fact that they trust you and feel comfortable, the rest will come eventually by the end of the school year. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And this, I feel like it's such like a harsh thing to say, but just to follow up on that, because I believe this so strongly, if you have nothing positive to say about your student, that is a you issue. That is not the student issue. Yes. There's absolutely no way that you cannot find one positive thing to share. And so that's so frustrating when I have, when I hear teachers say like, there is nothing good to share, then you're not, you haven't built a relationship with the child and you're not doing enough as a teacher. You should be able to find nope. something to communicate that is good. That's why pairing is so important. You have to try to pair, because I know your ABA background too, Nicole. You have to pair with your child. Like I have a student, his positive things may not be that he's adding single digit. His positive thing was he sat for five minutes and his mom was so happy and impressed. Mm -hmm. Exactly. five minutes and I clocked it I said now after five minutes I let him have his own time because he deserved it but there's always something positive even if it's so-and-so didn't elope mm -hmm. hey that is something important and there's always something positive you can say about 
about a student, even even about a teacher. If your admin can't find a positive thing to say about you, it's it's the same thing. There's always something positive because you're growing every day. We're humans, like exactly. Well, that was a little bit of a sassy ending note of our podcast. <laughs> I feel like no, right? Very <laughs> to say. <laughs> I really felt that. Ugh, I really. I was just having that conversation with my OT recently, and she was like, um, "This cannot be put in." But she was like, "She hates when she hears teachers say that too, because she's like, is a kid a vegetable? Are they in a hospital bed?'" Mm-hmm. That's exactly what she said. She said it infuriates her too, and I'm like, "Me too," because it's not like they can't do anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're just gonna close out the podcast, unless you have anything. <clears throat> No, I'm good. I hope you guys found this episode to be helpful. Again, if you are new to the field or you're young, it does take time. Just like Bree said, just keep reaching out to parents, have those open lines of communication, find those positive things to share, and you will build stronger relationships. I hope this episode was helpful and thank you so much for co-hosting with me. Anytime, Nicole. I always enjoy my time with you. (laughs) Bye, everyone.